We are, so what, what we're going to do is, as we said, we're going to do a little bit of the Malachim, um, because we definitely were people who said they want to continue the Malachim, and I like that idea as well. And then we'll do something on Shavuos as well. So we'll try to split our time over here. Um, we're holding by Malachim Beis, Perik Yud Aleph, the beginning of Perik Yud Aleph. Um, and what we had in the last Prokim, really, was a total destruction, or almost entire, complete destruction of the house of Achav. Um, and we know we're not going to go through it again. Achav was this terrible, terrible king um, of the of the Ten Shvatim. And it, it was decreed, it was prophesied by Eliyahu Novi that his entire house is going to be destroyed. House, house meaning his family. He, he and his wife, Izevel, who wasn't, who was of anything worse than him. Um, and Eliyahu Novi years ago had decreed that they would all be destroyed. And in the last uh, two parakim was when it played itself out. And the way it's played itself out was through a new warrior slash king of the ten tribes, and his name was Yehu. Um, Yehu um, ben Yashafat ben Nimshi. Someone had asked last week if Yehu had a special yichus, which made him worthy of becoming the king. Um, the little bit that I looked, I, didn't, I did not find. It could be, but I, I did not find that he had something special in his yichus that gave him this yichus. Be that as it may, it was Elisha who sent a Navi to go and anoint or, or tell Yehu that he's going to be the new king of the Ten Shvatim and give him the mission. And his mission was a difficult one, but was to really take, uh, to avenge Hashem's honor and to really destroy Achav's, the, the descendants of Achav. And really, at this point, the kings, as we pointed out, both kings, in other words, both the king of the ten tribes and the king of the two tribes, were both descendants of Achav, right? Um, we have by the, uh, by the ten tribes, we had, um, we had, uh, was uh, Yoram, and by the uh, two tribes, it was Ahaziah. And both of them were descendants of Achav, because Yoram was a son of Achav, and he was the king of the ten tribes, and Ahaziah was a grandson of Achav. And the reason for that well, and that's going to be very, very important tonight, is Ahaziah's father was Yehoram. And Yehoram, right, um, someone's asking, we're, we're, there was requests both ways, and therefore we're doing a little Navi and a little Shavuos. That's how we're doing it. Um, see Shikov. Oh, I, see, I see that uh, Mrs. Simcha Safran is here, and thank you for sponsoring the shir. We mentioned that already earlier in honor of your daughter. Um, so, so we have over here, um, again, so, so last week we learned that Yehu uh, put them both to death. Yehu had, had put to death Ahaziah, who was the king of the two tribes, and Yoram was the king of the ten tribes. That was where really last, um, last Perak uh, ended up, and then he, then he killed many of the Oiv Davidizar and many of the idolaters, and that was all, all what Yehu did, which was fulfilling his mission. Now, so Yehu is the new king Yehu is the new king of the ten tribes. What about by the two tribes? And last week we sort of, that, that wasn't dealt with yet. Now that the, the king of the two tribes is dead, who is going to take him over? And now we come to another difficult, bizarre part of the story. And for the one time during the history of this period of history of the, of the two tribes in the time of the first base of Mikdash, the new king is going to be a woman. And not a good woman, as we're going to see. It's going to be the mother of Ahaziah who was killed. Right? So let's, let's just remember here. Ahaziah is, was the king of the two tribes. He was just killed. Ahaziah's mother is Atalia. 
Atalia is a daughter of Achav. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Thank you for showing us if anyone can make that out. Um, should, should I, should, is there a way for me to make you a host somehow? It's got to be a way to do that. Um, oh, gosh. Okay. I have made you co-host. If you know how to share your screen, you could actually square it if you want. Um, be that as it may, so Ahaziah, the king of the two tribes, his mother is Atalia, daughter to Achav. When her son Ahaziah is killed, she doesn't ask anyone, but takes the throne for herself, and she appoints herself the new king of the two tribes. But she doesn't just do that. She kills all of the descendants of her, of her son and anyone left that's descendants of the Davidic dynasty, of David's family, because she doesn't want there to be a new king from Malchus Beis David. Remember, we're talking about Achav's daughter, Atalia, a very worthy heiress to, to, um, to Achav. And she's as, as wicked as Achav was. Uh, I don't think she's a daughter of Izevel. She's a daughter of Achav, but Achav had many wives. Izevel was one. But this daughter, Atalia, is a daughter to Achav. She was the wife of a king. She, she was a daughter of a king. She's a daughter of Achav. She was the wife of a king, Yoram. She was a mother of King Achazia. Now that Achazia is killed, she takes kingdom for herself and has all of the descendants of David, all of the whoever's left that she feels might be a threat to her throne, she has them put to death. How? She poisons them. Um, the Pasuk doesn't talk about it clearly. The Pasuk just says that they're all, they're all, she put them all to death. Chazal say, the Gemara says, she poisons them. And most of them are children. They're children, but she's afraid they're going to grow up and become the new king. And she, again, she wants to stamp out the Davidic dynasty, David Amalek's descendants. And this Atalia, she actually poisons all of these children. And that's what the, uh, that's how Pasuk uh, Perik Yudalaf begins. Oh uh, yeah, she, she gave poison in their food. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it says, Atalia, mother of Achazia, she sees her son die. So she gets up, and what she does is she destroys all of the Zera, Mamlacha, all the seed of the kingdom. Now, she almost fully accomplishes her mission, but we know she can't ultimately accomplish her mission because Hashem promised David HaMelech that David HaMelech, that Malchus is going to be in his family until Mashiach comes. So obviously, this, this Russia, this Atalia, is not going to succeed. She almost succeeds. But what happens is there's one child that she misses, a baby, Mamash a baby, and this is the son of Achazia. So it's her grandson. So this, this one was killing her own children and grandchildren because she wanted to, you know, she didn't want to lose the kingdom. And her baby grandson, Yehoash, or Yoash, sometimes called Yoash, sometimes Yehoash, but he was a baby and was also poisoned with everyone else. But he remained alive, and that's because he had an aunt, as the Pasuk says, a great woman. Her name was Yehoshava, and Yehoshava, it's, it's an aunt of Yoash. She takes him and whisks him away. She takes this baby, who just lost his father, uh, Achazia the king, and his, 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 uh, his grandmother is trying to kill him. Yehoshava whisks him away into hiding. And where does she hide? In the Beis HaMikdash. And this is one of the amazing stories um, where Yehoshava hides the grandson, the son of the king, and the grandson of Atalia. And she hides him in the base of Mikdash. It says the Cheder Hamitos. 
Literally, that means the room of the beds, the room of the beds in the Beis Hamikdash. And there are different opinions where exactly the Beis Hamikdash they were. According to one, it was in some type of a corridor where the Kohenim would sleep. And according to another, it's the Kodesh Hakadoshim that you, that she hid Yosh in the Kodesh Hakadoshim itself. And why is that called the Cheder Amitos? Literally, means like a bedroom because just like a bedroom is the most intimate room, the base uh, husband and wife. The, the Kodesh HaKadoshim is that place of intimacy, Hashem and the Jewish people, and is therefore called Cheder Hamitos. She keeps, um, this Yoshava has, um, has Yoash in, the, in this, hidden in the base of Mikdash for six years. For six years she takes care of Yoash in the Beis HaMikdash. Um, she wasn't always with him. She had a nurse with him or a woman with him, but she was in charge of it. She would feed them. She took care of them. And they were in hiding. And the grandmother, Atalia, this terrible Russia who killed everyone, who killed all the descendants, doesn't know that this grandson is missing. She didn't realize that he's missing. Um, even, according to some, she did realize. She definitely didn't know where he was. He was in hiding in the Beis HaMikdash, not a place that Atalia frequented. And then the Pasik says that it was seven years later, when this boy was only seven years old, that Yehoyada, this first time we meet Yehoyada, but he was a Kohen Gadol. He was a good, a holy Kohen Gadol. In fact, Yehoyada was the husband of the woman who saved Yoash's life. So he was the husband of the, of the aunt, right? The, the aunt who saved the Ena, who saved Yoash, this little baby, and whisked him into the base of Mikdash. Her husband was the Kohen Gadol. Um, presumably he helped her into the Beis HaMikdash and helped her find where to hide because he was the Kohen Gadol. For, so for six years, the little baby Yoash, who's the heir to the throne, is in hiding in the Beis HaMikdash. But in the seventh year, Yoash says, it's time to appoint him as the new king of Klal Yisrael, of the two tribes, that is. Remember, he's the rightful king of the two tribes. He is the son and the grandson and the great-grandson of the kings of the two tribes. And at this point, um, the, uh, the uh, Kohen Gadol, Yehoyada, uh, gets all the Kohanim involved, and he, it's very, it actually goes into detail. He had all the Kohanim involved, and they split up into three parts, and there was always one part that was guarding the king, the new king, who's seven, year old, seven years old, this King Yoash. But they're guarding him, and others were guarding the Beis HaMikdash, and when one left, the other came. He, this Yehoyada was a very... Um, he was very, uh, how do you say, musudar. He was very orderly, and he set up a, a, a guard for the king, all from amongst the Kayanim who were in the Beis Hamikdash. So he's still in the Beis Hamikdash, but at this point, he has all the Kayanim behind him, and the Pasik says that he, in Pasik Yudbeis, that he finally he brings out the king to the people, and he puts on him a, 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 a crown, and he he anoints him. He anoints him. And he's mamlechim. He makes him the new king of Klal Yisrael. And the Jewish people that are there all, all cry out, Yechi HaMelech, long live the king. And it's at this point that Yoash is anointed or appointed the king. Um, interesting, he was anointed. Most kings were not anointed. If the father was a king, the son doesn't have to be anointed halachically. Uh, anointing is for a new king, not someone who, who inherits it from his father. But in this case, because the kingdom was contested, because Atalia is acting as king, so therefore he had to anoint him to say that, yes, he is the new king of Klal Yisrael. And that's what Yehoyada the Kohen Gadol does. Now, of course, now that it's, now that it's, it's out in the news, um, it's on all the headlines, so Atalia hears. Atalia hears that there was one grandson who survived, 
who she didn't success, she wasn't successful in poisoning him, and he had survived. And not just that, he was just proclaimed as king, and the Kohanim are behind him, and the Jewish people are following him. So the pasuk says in Yud Gimel, Vatishma Atalia Eskol Haratzin Ha'am. Atalia hears um, the voices of people saying that everyone's going to the house of Hashem, everyone's going to the Beis Hamikdash. So she herself went. She herself went to see what's going on. And she sees, she sees that there's a king standing there and he has a crown and around him there are ministers and there's the chatzotzeros, there's the trumpets and they're, they're blasting and the, the nation is very is, is rejoicing in the appointment of this king. And she, she screams, she says, this is treason, I'm the king. Right? She says, she, says she, she rips her garments, and she says, Kesher, Kesher, this is treason, they're, they're trying to overthrow my kingdom. And Yehoyada, the Kohen Gadol, who's really the one who's in charge of this whole thing, he's the one behind everything here. So he says, he says, let her go. Let her, just let her leave. Don't, don't hurt her, let her leave. And anyone who comes to protect her, though, the soldiers should stand up and should, should, uh, should put them to death. And that's what happens. And she, she runs away. Um, and ultimately, Vatumas Sham, she's put to death. It doesn't say exactly who put her to death and how put her to death. Who did it? It is in Farsham say, maybe there was a, a Beisdin, who the Beisdin then uh, recognized that she was a mass murderer, that she murdered the whole Zerah HaMalucha. Whatever it is, Vatumas Sham, Vatumas Sham, that was the end of Atalia's reign as her grandson Yoash no, now ascends to be Melech under the guidance and leadership of Yehoyada, of Yehoyada the Kohen Gadol. And here, the Pasuk says in Yudzayin that Yehoyada made a new bris, a covenant between the people and Hashem and the king. Um, remember, because it hasn't been good times for the two tribes. You'll recall in the general history of the times, the ten tribes were typically idolatrous. The two tribes were not typically. The two tribes were usually good. But there was a little bit of break in that goodness over here because Achaziah, before that was Yehoram. So the two tribes also had sort of veered off the path at this point. When Yehoyada the Kohen Gadol, who's a tzaddik, has appointed Yoash as the new king, so he makes a new bris, means a new covenant between the people and Hashem. And he says that all the nation came, and they and they come to the base Habal because at this point there was already Avodah of Baal amongst the two tribes, and they destroyed Avodah and they destroyed the home of the Avodah um, and they brought, they brought down the Melech, they brought the Melech out of the Beis HaMikdash, and they brought him to Beis HaMelech, the home of the king, the, the palace of the king, and Yoash sat al Kisei HaMelech, and now he sits on the throne of his forebearers, of his grandfathers, the descendants, until David HaMelech, Vayismach kol am ha'oretz, the nation uh, rejoiced, and the, uh, and it was quiet, it was finally quiet in the city, Atalio was put to death, as we, as we mentioned earlier. And that is, that is the end of Perak Yud Aleph. Um, let's just, we'll do quickly Perak Yud Beis, which is not a long Perak, and we'll conclude with that for the Navi part of the class. So Perak Yud Beis. Rabbi Silverberg, I have a question. Sure. Um, oh, wait, one You know what? I don't know why. I, I, if, I, if I think of it, I'll ask you. Sorry about that. No problem. Okay. <laughs> no, no problem. Okay. 
Perikid Bez talks about the kingdom of Yoash. It's a continuation of this new king of Yoash, again, who became a king when he was young. Um, and it's interesting because as far as our, our Navi here is concerned, Yoash was a good king till the end of his life. Um, in, in, our, in, in Melachim, he's described that way. as uh, Melachim was written by, um, by Yirmiyahu. And uh, Yirmiyahu's accounting of Yoash is a very positive one. Uh, in Divrei Hayyamin, written by Ezra, there's some critique on Yoash. But we'll read it the way it says here for now. So it says Yoash became a king when he was seven years old. Um, and this is the seventh year after Yehu had become king, because all, that all happened at the same time. Right here is very clear. Yoash all of his days did what's just in the eyes of Hashem. Asher horod Yehoyada Hakohen. He was a Talmud, the disciple of Yehoyada, the Kohen Gadol, as we learned earlier, and he followed the Kohen Gadol. So, um, if there's a critique leveled against Yoash and here Tanakh, it's just that he was a follower. He was a king that wasn't really strong on his own, but he followed the Kohen Gadol, which was good. The only thing it says that people still had bamos. Bamos are private altars in the backyards, which were for Hashem. They were, we're not talking about Avadizara. In Yoash's time, there wasn't much Avadizara left, but people still were bringing their own private karbanos, which was forbidden. That was a problem because there was a base Hamikdash. So that's something that was still going on. But otherwise, it was good. And then we get into this whole conversation that Yoash was involved in the Bedek Habayis. In fact, we read this in Haftarah, um, and when we learn the Pasha of Truma, we learn about the, uh, the Beis Hamikdash. Yoash was very into making sure the Beis Hamikdash was supported and taken care of, and therefore he made a decree that anyone, anyone who comes to Beis Hamikdash to bring a carbon would give some money to the Kohanim. The Kohanim would take the money, and then they were in charge of making sure of what's called Bedek Habayis, which means to take care of the Beis Hamikdash, similar to a shul, right? A shul has to, you have the upkeep of the shul, so there's the upkeep of the Beis Hamikdash. And that was what he instituted. It says later in the Pasuk Zion that at 20, um, 23 years into his kingdom, and he saw the Beis Hamikdash wasn't being taken care of properly anymore. Um, and it wasn't, the Bedek Habayis wasn't happening. The Kohenim were getting the money, but the money wasn't ending up in the right places. And he got very involved in it. And he called the Kohen Gadol and the Kohenim, and he says, why aren't you taking care of Hashem's home? He says, from now on, I don't want the Kohenim taking money at all. All the money that a person brings to the Beis Hamikdash should be put into special, um, like, like big tzedakah boxes, and that will be for the Beis Hamikdash. And he goes, actually, he goes into detail, he actually, he took a, um, he took a box, and he made a hole in the box, um, an aron, which is a, a type of box, and that was designated as a big tzedakah box in the Beis Hamikdash, and the Kohanim did it. They followed. Everyone followed his, his, uh, his laws. And when they saw when there was a lot of money, they would take it out and they would build the Besam Mikdash properly and they would take care of it and there was craftsmen and so on. And the Besam Mikdash was kept up properly. And that's a, a lengthy part that goes through through Pasuk Yudzayim. Um, and again, now the, the Pasuk is just quiet. It doesn't say what's going on, but there was a turn for the worse in the behavior of the Jewish people. Um, it's at this point, and again, I know I want to finish this part of the shir now, so we're not going to get into it. Um, after Yom Tev, we'll talk about it more. It was during Yoash's time that we had the killing of the Navi Zechariah. And that's a whole story for itself, which we read later in the Kinos of Tishabov about. But again, it's not mentioned here in Malachim. It's mentioned in Divrei HaYamim. Here it says that it was during his days, after some 23, 24 years of his kingdom, that Chazael, the king of Aram, came 
and he started doing battle against the Jewish people. We know Chazael, right? Chazael is the one who we know was a bad king of Aram, who Elisha said he was going to be the king and he was going to uh, cause a lot of difficulties with the Jewish people. Chazael fought first the ten tribes. Now he came against the two tribes. And it was very, he came with a big army. Yoash did not know what to do. This is already after the death of Yehoyada, the Kohen Gadol. So it says that Yosh just paid him off with tremendous amount of um, all the monies that was in the Besam Mikdash and the monies that he had in the royal treasuries from his father, from his grandfather. He gave it all to Chazoil in order to buy him off that he shouldn't um, wage a battle against Yerushalayim. Chazoil accepted that and the, removed that siege and, and it went back to Aram and Yerushalayim was saved with that. And the Perik finishes that the rest of the stories of Yoash and so on was written in the history of the time, as we saw that the Torah said about many, the Navi said about many of these kings. But then it says, ultimately he was killed, this king, the king Yoash, who was a good king, in general, a just king, a righteous king, was killed by an internal rebellion by his own people, um, by two Yidin. Um, it says, by Yakuma Avadav, who some of his servants, and they made a bond, and they made a rebellion, and they killed Yoash um, in his kingdom. Um, and it says the names of the people, we don't know who they are, Yozachar ben Shimas, Yozava ben Shomer, they were his servants, and they killed him, and he was buried with his fathers, and his son Amatsya was appointed king after him. So that's the story of Yoash's life, the way it's described here. Believe in our next class, which I guess is going to be obviously not next week, which is Shavuos, but the following week, I'll revisit a little bit Yoash's life and understand why at the end he died in this difficult way, in this way of being killed by his own rebellion, and that had to do with the, the Navi Zechariah, and again, we're going to use Divir Hayyamim to understand and look deeper into Yoash's lifetime, but for now, we'll stop here at the end of Perak Yud Base. Okay, so that is... I thought of the question. Okay. I just wanted to know, was the Baal destroyed by Yehoash? Well, the Baal that was amongst the two tribes was. Because last week we already discussed that Yehu had destroyed all the Baal that was in the area of the ten tribes. Right? You have to remember, there's always this story, going. we're going back and forth. So in last week we were talking more about Yehu and Yehu's battle against Achav and Izevel. That was all in the area of the ten tribes. Today we but went I to the area of the two tribes. Right, but I thought Yehu, he, he took care of everything but, but the Baal. Remember we said that he was... No, no. We said, we said he took care of the Baal. He didn't take care of Yeravam ben Nevat. That's something else. But Yeravam ben Nevat is only in the area of the Ten Tribes, right? Uh-huh. Right? Yeravam ben was the first king of the Ten Tribes, and he had erected those golden calves, and Yehu did not destroy them, as we learned in last class. But Yehu did destroy the Baal throughout the area of the Ten Tribes, and Yoash destroyed the Baal in the area of the two tribes. Okay, and then also, how do you, how do you spell new king when you say Amatsya? Aleph, Mem, Tzadik, Yod, Hey. Okay, thank you. Okay, a lot of these kings are like, it's with a hey and sometimes with a vav at the end. Amatsyahu. I don't know, sometimes written this way, sometimes that way. But that is the new king of the two tribes. And again, we will discuss that more when we get back to Navi Bezra session.